listening to Latin Experts, a podcast of Latino studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Latin Experts features the voices of faculty, staff, and students, as well as friends and alumni of the Department of Mexican American and Latina Latino Studies, the Latino Research Institute, and the Center for Mexican American Studies. Join us for this episode of Latin Experts. So welcome everyone. I'm joined, I guess, virtually in the studio with my amazing colleague and friend, Dr. Rachel Gonzalez-Martin. Hello. For, yeah, <laughs> for, uh, I guess this is our second episode of our so. Talking Shit, our, you know, Talking Shit series. Yes. And today we're going to be talking about Madres, Desmadres, and maybe Hijas de Nuestras Madres. <laughs> all <laughs> the above, Belém, all the above. Um, so yeah, totally. Today we're talking about our mothers, but understanding that uh, Dia de los Madres is upon us soon. So anyone listening to this podcast, if you haven't figured out what you're getting your wonderful mother or mother figure for Mother's Day, this is a reminder to go find something good and not just from like Walgreens with like a card and like cheap flowers. So we're talking. Yeah, although sometimes those those can be good. Those can be good, uh, but you better be going out to some kind of cool dinner too, because mm, we know mothers do a lot, which is actually kind of what we wanted to talk about today, right? Like images, cultural images of our mothers, and how that yeah. fits in or doesn't fit into thinking about um, maybe not bad language. language, but yeah, different kinds of language. Yeah. The different types of language, continuing our ongoing discussion and analysis of like dichos and modismos. Yes, absolutely. So, Belema, I want to start by hearing about your mom, and then I'll talk about my mom. Yeah. So, I talk about my mom a lot, but we won't get into Freudian reasons anyway <laughs> today. But yeah, my mom is the youngest of ten, and lo que tiene de chiquita lo tiene de bonita. Uh-huh. Uh, but she's she's this very strong woman who I think in the time and age in which she grew up, she's, I don't know how to say this. Um, she tells it how it is. She's tough. You know, she's tough. She's, t- she's very tough. Like just because we're her children doesn't mean that she's going to let you get away with <laughs> anything. Um, and she also, I, you know, she has these looks that if you do something that upsets her, and she looks at you a particular way. You're like, oh, dear God, I am so sorry <laughs> that I even, you know, didn't clean the bathroom the way you clean the bathroom. I'm so sorry. Let me go do it over here. But she's, yeah, she's tough, but she's super loving. She's a woman who definitely wanted to have multiple kids. Um, she's funny. She loves Juan Gabriel. Um, yeah, she she's from Juarez. So that's, you know, that that's what it is. And yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that because we're we're going to bring her up, and she knows I always use her as like an ejemplo. And she's got to love it. She's got to tell her tell her friends that Mija la profesora, right, is is going to be talking about me today. Uh, well, your mom sounds like definitely like sort of a more classic, what people might consider as sort of the tough Mexican mother, right? Tells it like it is. Um, has really strong roots. Is is, is a matriarch, right? She's tough. Um, totally. she's probably been through a lot and, you know, could go through a lot more. Uh, my mom, uh, is U.S. born. So my mom was born in LA in California. 
my mom is very soft spoken. Her name is Jane. We talk a lot about how she <laughs> she was always self conscious about being Jane and not Juana. And her her cousins in LA still call her like Juanita, which I think is really interesting because it didn't kind of carry over to her adult life. Um, my mom is sweet and kind. She, you know, if you say, "Oh, mom, I like your scarf," she will just give it to you. Oh, Mika, take it. You know, I don't need it. I'm like, "Oh, but you're wearing it." No, no, no. You should have it. I'm like, "Thank you." Um, so I learned really wonderful generosity from my mom, and my mom's a tough lady in her own way. She's fantastic. So even now, thinking about, but she she would never really be considered sort of the really demanding Mexican mom. I know I have a lot of friends who's again, moms that are kind of tell it like it is. My mom's a little like, well, you could do that. Or she's definitely a little more um, judicious with criticism because she grew up with a really tough Mexican mom. And so she kind of feels um, like she doesn't, like she kind of wants to balance that out. But my mom's awesome. And so I'm really excited that we're getting to talk about moms and motherhood and particularly the perceptions, right, of of madres, right, in our in our larger sort of uh, cultural sphere, right, because it's kind of unique, and it's as you, we think about it with language, right, it's going to have a very particular character, and some of it very contradictory. Yeah, and you know, I I love that we're talking about our moms, and we've actually met each other's moms. Yes. Oh my god. And they are both lovely. They um, are, and they're different. Oh, by the way, you said Juan Gabriel. My mom is a total Beatles fan. That was what I grew up with. So again, very different sort of like cultural narratives. But again, I think at the at the core, right? You know, both really loving mothers, and they're both steeped in a lot of, um, I would say, a lot of expectations of women yeah. in particularly Mexican and Mexican American communities. I think that's sort of huge, right? That there might be actually more that binds our mothers in terms of the history and expectations based on gender, based on our, our, our cultural experiences, then, then that separates them. So I think, um, I think it's super interesting. Yeah. Especially thinking about the sort of gender norms in which they were socialized in and yes. maybe reproduced and, you know, raising us. Um, Absolutely. Um, so maybe we can get started in analyzing a little bit about why we were going to talk about mothers today and how we came about it. Oh, so well, then let's just say it. It's, it's puro desmadre, right? Today. Puro desmadre. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm going to ask you, Rachel, can you tell us like, can you define desmadre or like what it means to you? Sure. Right? And we can so jump in. Honestly. Okay. Cause I am not a native Spanish speaker. So uh, I struggle with a lot of terms that don't necessarily have a solid denotational meaning. You can't just Google translate them and find how they're they're always used, um, especially if they sound like cognates. Like, what does this have to do with mothers? But I understand the term desmadre really as a sort of being a, not a mess or sort of a, a totally kind of over the top screwed up situation <laughs> sort of this madre to me is something that maybe you should be ashamed of right when i think of this madre i think of people accusing you accusing someone of being a this madre or causing a this madre or characterizing something that's definitely negative that's how that that's the con- the concept that i have at least in terms of like growing up you didn't want to be a this madre you didn't want to be a part of a this madre you you, you, d- you didn't want to have anyone's mom or grandmother tell you you're a this madre what about you? Yeah. Oh, desmadre. You know, referring back to Doña Lupe, anytime there was a desmadre, it'd be like, your room is messy. You haven't cleaned up after, like, you know, the dishes or you haven't done your chores. But also this idea that it's kind of 
chaos, right? Yes. Like, so I said, un desmadre, like I'm thinking of phrases and how we use it. Absolutely. But that's saying like, it's, it's going to be, yeah, a mess or it's going to be a, like chaotic. Uh, there's a disruption of some sort. Absolutely. So, and already we get the sense that like, you know, our communities have valued order over chaos, <laughs> right? There's this sense of, of chaos or even like, um, like a complicated, tangled social situation is just something we don't want, right? It's it's not simple, it's not clean, it's not direct. So this madre is definitely like, I feel like on a lot of levels, and maybe we'll get to this later, it sort of shakes things up. It's a disruption, right? In a world that you don't want disruption. Yeah, totally. So I, I wonder if then we can kind of take a step back and really think about um, the other day when we were, you know, brainstorming this episode, we were talking about like, the idea, bringing these connections with the word desmadre to like respectability. Absolutely. And how that's tied to gender. Yes. So thinking about, I know for sure we, we, we shared this and this is what I was getting at when I started to think about our better mothers have a lot more in common when we think about what values they were raised with and what guide them to be or ha- have guided them to be sort of the woman, the women that they either want to be or they felt they needed to be. And that is this question of uh, gender and respectability particularly in Latinx communities. And as a folklorist, I, I understand, and when I teach folklore and traditions, it's always really apparent that students understand that questions of morality or faith or um, honor fall on the women in their family to enforce, to teach, to emulate. So the idea that there's this standard of living, the standard of being in the world, that in Latinx communities that specifically is divided between men and women, right? And so where you have cultural communities that are steeped in things like Catholicism, right, from the moment of colonial contact and thinking about the morals and values that were imposed on communities, indigenous communities, right, to, you know, fast forward and become the... Um, independent republics <laughs> across Latin America that we now know, right? Steeped in those histories and traditions, right? Are these ideas about honor and shame and how women become the um, focal point of expressing honor and shame in their families, right? And I think this is really a huge pressure um, either on our mothers, but it's not to say that it hasn't carried over to, you know, next, the continuing generations of women, right? in terms of how, how should you behave? How should you act? How should you speak or not speak? Yeah. And yeah, especially thinking about how this, and then bringing it back to this word, right? Like if you say something as it is madre, it's like, you're messing up, you know, I'm trying to think of ways to translate it literally. Like you're messing up the mother. Right. And we, you know, we, we hold our mothers, our abuelas, the women in our family on this sort of like pedestal, Absolutely. or at least that's how I was raised. Like yeah. my mom is a direct, I, I would say replica of uh, my abuela, mm-hmm. Doña Masi. And I tell my mom sometimes, I'm like, man, you're being so Doña Masi. <laughs> but that's because we, we, we hold my, the women in my family, or at least on my, yeah, on this like high, like higher, on this hierarchy, I should say. Sure. But like. Then we use terms like desmadre, and I, I'm wondering if we can think about like what is that actually producing, right? When you absolutely right, we have this narrative that says like 
the women are strong and tough and honorable and faithful and pure or whatever sort of, you know, loaded uh, affirmation that we think we're giving people. But we also realize on the other side of that, if we let's say we think about a heterosexual married couple, right, a man and a woman, and we've talked about this before, right, the idea of the wife and mother as this honorable figure that takes care of the family or leads sort of the family by example and morality. But uh, a husband might step out on his wife and somehow in in particular cultural circles, this is seen as acceptable, right? Or this is just seen as well, you know, women have a different moral standing than men. And so this is somehow, um, this is the way we are, quote unquote, right? This becomes the way we are. But it does mean that we have now a term like this, madre, where it's like, wait a minute, what is... There's what we say and what we expect, let's say, of women, and then there's how we use their idea or the metaphor to sort of, I don't know, even to serve in sort of a contradictory purpose, right? Because there's lots of different phrases, right, that use madre that for us, you know, to hear it wouldn't make a lot of sense, right? Yeah, like we use things like me vale madre, vales madre, hija de tu madre. But I want to bring it to this point you said about how we're, you know, we hold women or like in a particular, in a particular light, but then we say these things that are quite contradictory to what our beliefs are. Absolutely. And it, and it really makes me think of cognitive dissonance. Like we're, we're demonstrating some sort of cognitive dissonance. Absolutely. Where, you know, our states and, you know, our states of thought or belief are quite different than what are actions. And I'm saying actions here, like the language that we use. Absolutely. Cause when you think about it, right. we, we think of language as a choice, right? Picking and choosing our words, right? The word desmadre or vale madre, right? These are terms that it's when I think of, right? When I talk and teach students about folklore, right? They they stick because people, they resonate with people, right? People use them and continue to use them. Um, they gain popularity. If, if, if someone had, you know, at the first use of the term desmadre, uh, scolded the person who used it or whacked him on the head of the newspaper and said, don't disrespect, you know, the idea of motherhood, then the word wouldn't have caught on. <laughs> so somehow totally. thinking about like how these words became part of the everyday, particularly the um, informal lexicon, right? Uh, of mm-hmm. of either Spanish speaking, you know, Spanish speaking or Latino descent communities, right? Across the US, right? But it's some connection, one to the Spanish language, but not necessarily to like literal understandings, but figurative language, right? Which I know you study right. extensively, right? So this idea of cognitive dissonance, like what does it mean to speak things into reality versus to do actions, right? And how do these work together, right? Yeah. And also it, I think it kind of challenges or... So it, it kind of subverts these ideologies about gender, about gender. I think when we use this sort of language, because I, I I keep coming back to like, well, you know, I, I I highly value and respect my my Doña Lupe and my Doña Masi, but I will definitely say, I know eso me vale madre, but I'm like, oh, wait a second, <laughs> right? I'm, you have to sort of pause <laughs> and think, like, wait a minute, why? why is this used? Why would a woman use that? Like, you know, what are the circumstances under which this become normalized? But I think you're right. I think as we consider, I think it's important to, to begin to understand how words and terms and ideologies transform and move through communities. And so even when we're using them, um, 
it, we're using them in such a way that maybe subverts, like you were saying, these clean lines between gender expectations and gender performance, right? So on some level, maybe, especially I know in the US, I'm talking, um, I've had graduate students and undergraduates who are really subverting some of the negativity around the term this madre, right? Especially when it's connected to something that's seen as like shameful, and totally like diving in and claiming this madre, like any other sort of pejorative, um, as really being anti anti respectability politics. Like to be able to openly say yo soy un desmadre, right? <laughs> Maybe your life's chaos or your dating is nuts or whatever, whatever um, lack of quote unquote kind of like social success that maybe you're dealing with, but to lay claim to it and saying, you know, that's, that's important too. That's a real perspective. Yeah. And I, I really like this idea of reclaiming this. We, we talked about this in the previous episode as well. Like these words and, you know, modismos are in our lexicon. They're probably going to stay in our lexicon may take on, dif- they may take on different meaning and form as the years progress. But I think this, I think reclaiming these terms and, I don't know, like, the history of this madre either. Yeah, but I. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I like this idea of, like, re, I always like the idea of reclaiming and kind of, yeah, just reclaiming, well, I think, reclaiming these terms. I think it's important, right, because we're thinking about the ways in which, um, I forget which sociolinguist I heard I said this or I read about in graduate school, <laughs> but definitely thinking about, you know, that language is our is our lens for the world, right? We can't talk about things that we don't have vocabulary for, right? So the moment I see people manipulating vocabulary in different ways, right, and realizing the ripple effect, right? Because we were kind of talking about this idea, if this is anti-respectability, right, we're also talking mm-hmm. about putting things that are kind of really messy into sort of a public view, right? Because I think that's something when we think about gender ideologies, it's not just like women and men have different moral expectations, but I grew up definitely from my grandmother, really understanding that you keep anything that seems a little bit dishonorable or messy or just not admirable to yourself. Right. And this leads to things like, Oh, we don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about um, sexuality, sexuality. anything that could be seen as like a knock to your character for just having questions. Right. And so for me, this madre is also about this idea of it's absolutely falls in line with some of the ideas of like excess that talked about like Latino aesthetics of excess. Um, the new, there's a new book by Jillian Hernandez and some of the work that I do with quinceañeras, right? This idea of putting it kind of all out there and then saying, this is who I am, right? And this is okay. I can have flaws. I can be, I can make mistakes and come back from that. That doesn't make me, in this case, it doesn't make me a bad woman, right? Or it doesn't, that, that, that idea of bad versus good um, isn't tied to, let's say, you know, a life being imperfect, Right. Because we are all imperfect, but, you know, and I I know we're reaching the end of time, but I just love what you said. So I wonder if you have any last minute um, things about, you know, the way we use those madres and our mothers. Well, one, I think we do need to come back and really think about all that our mothers have done for us, you know, absolutely, especially sort of as they're held in high esteem, mothers that keep families together on their own, mothers um, who are separated from fathers by labor conditions or borders, right? Understanding. And I think also understanding that sometimes, particularly for our mothers, right? Depending on our eras, our, our levels of economic or social capital, right? Mm-hmm. That being a, a Latina woman in the United States in public was a desmadre. 
Totally. Right. Just the idea that we cannot hide, <laughs> you know, and I mean, really like this, this week, it's really been a discussion in, in national news of, right. What does it mean to be a person of color, black, brown, facing, facing implicit and explicit judgment by authority figures and having that be the end of your life. Right. Yeah. The idea of, um, and so thinking about, you know, how we understand respectability, how do we understand how these things are coded in our everyday language, right? That we we almost can't anticipate. So I think I think everyone needs to go and have a call with their mother if they can, or their grandmother or their motherly figure, and tell them you love them and respect them, even if you use the word this madre every day. Absolutely. I love that. I'm gonna call Doña Lupe after this and remind her <laughs> how much I love her and Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with me today. Absolutely. Super excited. Yeah. Thank you. And we should tell everyone that, to go out and embrace their this madre, right? Because yeah. we, we won't notice the change until we all start disrupting a little bit every day. Yeah. So embrace the this madre, I guess, is our, our take. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, awesome. thanks again, Rachel. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Blem. Hi, all. This is Ashley Nava Monteros, the Communications Associate at Latino Studies. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to check out the Latino Studies Instagram page. Follow us at Latino Studies UT to keep the conversation going.